Good to, good to see everybody this morning. Um, it's been, like I've said, it's been one of those weeks. I know and some of our staff members have had a difficult week. We have those, don't we? Um, I, I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one here this morning that has difficult weeks. So um, if you remember last week, we talked about this book. I'm a church member. If you got one last week uh, and you read it, there was a section in there about praying for your leaders, for your elders, and, and so forth. So this would have been a good week to pray for your leaders and for your elders and, and for your staff and for those around you because um, at times our, our adversary likes to do things to kind of cause us to doubt or uh, not to trust God, but because of what he has done, his faithfulness, we're able to, to see his goodness in the midst of, of difficulty. So um, it's been a good thing. If you did not last week pick up one of these books, it's called I Am a Church Member. Please do not get tied up in the term church member, okay, in the sense of trying to join an organization. That's not the idea. The idea as a member of the body of Christ, what does that look like? And this book does a great job of, of just really addressing some of those things of what does a, what does a, what does a member of the body of Christ look like? Um, I got a hold of this book right before I went to Tanzania and was able to read, uh, read some of it in, in Tanzania when I came back. I got the elders to read it, and when we read it, we all kind of just felt like every member or every family in our church should have a copy of this book and, and to read it. And so they're out here. If you go out through these doors into the lobby, in the lobby to the left, there's a table there with some of those. If you didn't get one last week, uh, please pick up one this week. Um, we're giving one to each family in the, in the church. If you want more than one, they cost us about five bucks a piece. We're asking you to help in with that donation. If, if you're not able, don't worry about it. The, the message of this is, is that important. Um, just letting you know the, the, the cost there. And if you want to be a part of helping with that, that'd be, that'd be great. Powerful book. Takes about 30 to 45 minutes to read. I, I'm encouraging. I, want, I wish everybody in our church could read this book. Uh, and, and, and the message that it has is, is very, very, very powerful. Also today, is if you walked in the lobby, you saw the tables out, out in the lobby. Today is our Connected in Community. I've been, I've been talking about community. I've been talking about what does it look like to be the church, uh, to be members of the body of Christ, and what does that look like, and, and how do we become participants. And, and so this week, we have out there tables that are set up, has most of our ministries here at Mansfield Bible. Um, you can go and talk. Now, look, we're not... We're not expecting you to prick your finger and sign in blood and death do us part, all that kind of stuff like sometimes people worry about in the church, right? Uh, that's not the idea. The idea is that there would be a discussion, a discovery, if you will, of finding out where do you belong within the body of Christ, that we need, we need to be part of the body. There, there's ministries out there that have to do with outreach and doing things in the community. There's ministries that have to do with the men's and women's. There's, there's children's and there's students. And there, there's, there's all kinds of opportunities out there. Go have a discussion with somebody at the table about, about how you can partake within the body of Christ, okay? Um, the question that you need to be asking, the, in fact, if you've been following along with me, um, the, the question that you should be asking is how, how do I use this unique giftness, giftedness that God has given me as a member of the body of Christ within the body of Christ? 
What, what does that look like? And so that's an opportunity to do that. If you go out there and you're looking and you don't see a particular ministry you have a heart for, or you like maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe it's a, you like to be part of a grief ministry where maybe you want to be part of a hospital visit type ministry where, you know, preparing meals for those that are sick, those kinds of things. And you don't find something like that out there, then talk to me or talk to Greg Buckles or one of the elders or one of the staff. And, and let's talk about what does that look like and how you can be a part of that. Because um, really what the goal is, is to find how every member, every person within the body of Christ does its part within the body that we might grow up into the fullness of him. And so that's, that's kind of what's going on today. So when we, when we leave, please take time to go out there. There's people out there that are uh, very much in love with what they do in, within the body of Christ. And you can see that and the conversation will be worth it. Um, as we've been doing, as I've been going through, today's kind of the wrapping up of our series that we've been talking about, community, growing together in oneness. Um, it has been my prayer. I've been praying for this for a while now, uh, for a couple of months. I've been, it is my prayer today as well that God's spirit would move within his people and help us to understand what oneness within the body of Christ looks like. If you notice that I've been jumping out of uh, Ephesians chapter four, if you take your Bibles and you turn there in Ephesians chapter four, if I can turn there, I think I still left it in my last place. Ephesians chapter four, really what I've been doing is I've been walking through this book, uh, uh, this chapter, really the first 16 verses, and talking about the body of Christ. We've, we've jumped off into other areas, but really the crux of everything that we've been talking about has been geared around this, this wonderful, wonderful section of scripture. This book is an amazing book. And in chapter four, verse one, Paul begins by telling us that, that we're to conduct ourselves, that we're to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we've been called. That the way that we live our lives, the way we conduct ourselves needs to reflect what, that calling, that great salvation that is ours in Christ Jesus. We, we talked about it in the previous weeks that, that God had chose us in chapter one. God chose us, Jesus redeemed us, and, and the Holy Spirit sealed us. This, this great calling that is ours, it's what makes us a part of the body of Christ. If you've received Christ into your life, and you're trusting in him for your salvation in him alone, then you're part of the body of Christ. You're a partaker in the promises of God and the partaker in the body of Christ. And so Paul is telling us that as members of the body of Christ, we're to conduct ourselves in a manner that reflects that calling that we have in Christ Jesus. And so that he begins to talk about that that idea in verse, in verse one of chapter four, it's really based on everything he has said in chapters one through three and the theology and the, and the doctrine, the teaching that is there in those first three chapters, he now is beginning to tell us how it should work out in our lives. What does it begin to look like? And when he talks about walking in a manner worthy of the calling, he also tells us about some attitudes that we have, with the, that we should have within the body of Christ. He talks about humility, he talks about gentleness. He talks about patience, forbearing one another in love. Those are key attitudes within the body of Christ and the way that we would conduct ourselves within the body of Christ. And he goes on and he talks about, he talks about endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. You see, there's to be within the body of Christ as we are conducting ourselves in a manner that fits the calling which he has called us when we're walking with all humility, gentleness, patience, and forbearing one another in love, there's to be a determination on our part. There's to be an eagerness on our part 
to maintain what we have, the unity of the Spirit that we have because the Spirit of God is in us and binds us together because of what he has done in the gospel of Jesus, what he is, Jesus has done in his death, his burial, and resurrection, placing us in the family of God, becoming partakers of the promise of God, that we as a body of believers need to have a determination about maintaining, keeping that unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. It's extremely important, people of God. It's so important that when Paul talks about it, he gives us an example in the following verses, in verses four, five, and six. He tells us there's one spirit, there's one Lord, there's one God and Father who's over all, in all, and through all. The reason why unity in the body of Christ, why there needs to be an understanding of oneness within the body of Christ is because there's a oneness within within the Godhead. We see God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There's a oneness within the body of Christ in the way that they function. One isn't more important than the other because they're, they're one in the way that they, they operate. There, there's one God that we serve, one only. And we see that expressed in the, in the different persons of the Godhead. And so within the body of Christ, we also find ourselves in the same way, that there's one body But there's many members, right? The way that our faith is expressed, the way our giftedness is expressed, there's different ministries, there's different ways that it's expressed, but there's still one body that operates in oneness because the Godhead is one. I often often think, what what would happen in this? And I don't want to get into all the theological implications because we could write books on it, right? But just simply think for a moment. That when Jesus was tempted and our adversary Satan tempted him and he shows him all these kingdoms, all these these principalities, if you will, these kingdoms, and he offers them to Jesus and Jesus kind of goes, man, I wonder. Uh, It it didn't happen because Jesus was operating within the unity of the oneness of of the Godhead. Well, guess what? We have to operate within the unity of our, of our calling, in the unity of our salvation, in the unity of what Jesus has done, in the unity of the spirit that binds us together. And when we, when we move away from that, guess what happens? Division happens. When we operate in fear, when we operate in our hurts, when we operate in our, in our own insecurities, then guess what happens to the body of Christ? Because we're a people of faith. We're people who walk by the spirit. And so what happens is then in verse seven, as Jesus begins after describing this body of believers, he now, he now begins to talk about the uniqueness of each individual member. So please understand that. We're endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit. We're to do this as a body. Now he's gonna look at the individual members where the uniqueness of the members in the body of Christ. In other words, there's one body, but many members. And we looked at that a couple of weeks ago, we, we looked at the idea of what Jesus did in that he gifted the body of Christ. He gave gifts and we went to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and we saw that God is the one who gave gifts. God appointed gifts within the body of Christ. God is the one that placed you in the body of Christ. And it's really important as we begin to understand that, that we remember and we don't forget, guess who's the head of the body? Christ. You see, it isn't really what I think the body should be. It isn't really what I think the church should be like. It's what does Jesus think the body should be like? He's the head and we're the body. And then as the head of the body, God the Father 
God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit placed within the body of Christ as they saw fit within the body of Christ and gifted the body of Christ to do what? The work of the ministry. And if you look down, I believe verse Verse 12 of chapter four, he kind of he picks up there to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, <clears throat> for the building up of the body of Christ. So God has gifted the body of Christ so that they would be equipped, that they would be restored, that they would be able to work within the body of Christ to do what? The ministry of the body, the ministry of the, of the saints. You know, so many times I think one of the things that we do is we begin to think that the ministry is only belong to a select few. We call them staff. Well, they're not the ones that do. Here, here's the reality, dear people of God. The reality is that the body of God, Christ is only as good as each individual member. If the body surrounds me as an individual, God forbid, we're any pastor, we're any individual. Because I'm only one part, one member of the body of Christ. And I'm only as strong as each member of the body of Christ. That each one of us needs one another because God saw fit how to put the body together and he's put each one of you in the body for a purpose to do the work of the ministry, for the building up of the saints, for the building up of the church. That every part does its part. Remember, I use that illustration. I see my cup over here, all right? I can walk over and I can pick it up, right? I am able to do that. And, and Paul used that example back in 1 Corinthians 12. If the foot says, well, I'm not part of the body because I'm not the hand. Or, or if we were all the eye, where would the hearing be? We can't be all those things. I'm able to use my eyes. I'm able to use my hands. I'm able to use my feet in order to get over here and accomplish the task. Now, if, if I didn't have feet, then it might look a little, little, little messy to get over there to get the cup. Or if I didn't have hands, that might look a little messy, right? So it's the same picture within the body of Christ, that God has put the body of Christ together for the purpose of ministry, to be able to work within the body of Christ, to be able to do those things he's called. But if every part isn't doing its part, guess what? It becomes difficult to do the work. That's why every one of you is absolutely important. I, I, I detest when I hear, oh, well, Buckles, he does this great, and Lingle does this great, this, or, or Glenn does this good, or, you know, Matt's so good at this, or this. We, God forbid, we're just part of the body. Each one of us is individual members of the body of Christ using our gifts for the building up of the saints. And that's what he goes on and he says in, in verse 13, <clears throat> He says, until we all attain. How long do we do this? Until we all attain to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to, a, to, mature, uh, to mature manhood, <clears throat> to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We're to be doing this and growing up within the body of Christ. Why? Verse, the very next verse. So that we're not tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. So we're not being deceived because when we start taking a spiritual interest into those within the body of Christ and we're doing our part, guess what? We come alongside of those who are growing weak in their faith. We come alongside of those who are, who are losing hope and we encourage them up into the body of Christ so that they're not tossed to and fro and they begin to wonder, well, God didn't answer my prayer, so God must not care about me. Well, have, has, has God ever not answered a prayer I had? Man, a few times, quite a few times. 
Has God answered my prayers? Absolutely, he's answered my prayers. But here's the truth. God has answered every single prayer I've given. Sometimes I just didn't like the answer. And that's a step of faith. And we need to come alongside each other when we begin to lose sight of those things and encourage and build up to encourage us in our faith. And it takes every member. It isn't, it, I'm not a spiritual headhunter. I don't go out there and say, oh, hey, Lingo, there's so-and-so over there. They're losing their faith. No, you go. You go. You encourage them. I get more excited when I'm here in the body of Christ, encouraging and praying and serving one another. And I don't even have to be involved because it's not about me. I stood out here today and heard somebody that was hearing about somebody who was in the hospital. Immediately, the person got on the phone and they said, we're going to stop by on the way today. Man I, was, man, I was throwing my arms up in the, in the air. Hallelujah, because this has been a rough week. I've been, it's just been a rough week. And I've been having to, to take care of somebody in my family. And it's just been one of those kind of weeks, you know? And somebody else did it. Praise God, that's how it's supposed to be. And we're to keep doing this so that we're not tossed to and fro. What, what we're supposed to be doing is speaking truth in love. It's truthing in love. And we looked at that last week. We went to Galatians 6.1. It's, it's really about keeping step in the, in the Holy Spirit. That as, I, that as I walk, I keep step with him by faith. And as I, as I keep walking with him and stepping him, guess what I'm able to do? I'm able to come along someone and I'm able to restore them. I'm able to encourage them in their faith and restore them into their faith. It's not me going and correcting, oh, they're wrong, I'm gonna go fix that. And to be honest with you, many times I've failed in that area. If there's anybody standing in this room that understands the failure of that, it's me. And then so when I'm saying these things, I understand my weaknesses and I understand my own failures as a, as a child of God. But I'm not giving up. I believe in a God, I believe in a, in a transformational power of the gospel that is able to transfer me and grow me up and move me and to teach me how to restore, right? As I begin to walk by faith. We don't give up because we've been hurt. We don't give up because, because things didn't go right. We, we continue on, and the spirit is in the spirit of restoration. And I shared last week about how two guys out in this lobby restored me, right? Because I got in one of those modes, you know, that I can get into so easily. It just catches me off guard. And one of them said something to me, and immediately I, I'm sorry. And then they prayed over me. They restored me. It wasn't, it wasn't me, the staff, an elder, it's, it's me, part of the body of Christ. And we need to be about that within the body. And why is it so important that we truth in love? And he tells us there in verse 15, when he says, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Christ is the head of the church. Christ is the head of the church. We're to grow up into him. He's our source. He's our strength. He's the head of the church. It isn't what we think the church should be. It's what he thinks the church should be. And one of the things, and we're going to look at it in a minute, that we as believers have to learn humility. That our almighty God is sovereign from everlasting to everlasting. And he has established the church. So when the church isn't doing what it's supposed to be doing, it's not God's fault. 
It's we as our members of the body of Christ who aren't walking in maturity. We have to learn that. And, and it's not fun to hear this. And I'm not trying to say that everyone else is the, the problem. I'm part of the problem too. But that we will not, I will not, as a member of the body of Christ, I will not concede defeat. I believe in an almighty God who is able to restore and to change and to do what is beyond whatever I could imagine or think to continue to change me and to work within the body of Christ. And I'm not gonna let hurts and I'm not gonna let bitter things that are said. I'm not gonna let things that were done wrong to divide the body of Christ because I believe in a God that is able to heal those and to restore those that we might grow up in Christ Jesus. Amen, thank you, I'm glad. I didn't even have to say it this time. Amen, that's right. Because it is important for us to understand that. In fact, he goes on in verse 16 as he finishes this, he says, from whom, and he's talking about Christ, from Christ, who's the head of the body, Christ, who's our Lord, Christ, who's the everlasting King of kings and the Lord of lords, he is the one from whom the whole body jointed and fitted together by every joint which, is, which it is equipped. And when he's talking about this, he's talking about every member has been joined and held together. Who put the body together? Christ did, right? He equipped it. He joined the body together. Now what is, he, then what is the next thing he says? Look at it. He says, when each part is working properly. Don't run past that little word there, when. I circled it in my Bible. When each part, what is he talking about each part? Each member. And he says each member is working properly. As they understand, as the body understands, as the members of the body of Christ understands their unique giftedness and that they're, they've been placed in the body of Christ for a purpose, as they begin to understand that and to, to function within the body in that way, guess what happens? The body begins to grow. Here's the reality. The reality is we can choose not to. We can choose to walk away. We can choose to be disobedient. And here's what happens, dear people of God. Um, here's what happens. I've heard it, if I've heard it once, I've heard it too many times. Something happens to us in a church, right? And we get hurt. We get, we get offended. And, and you know what? You're probably right. They shouldn't have said that. They shouldn't have done that. Those things shouldn't have been, been done or said. You're probably absolutely right. And so what happens is, is then because of our insecurities, because of our fears, because of our hurts, because of our own immaturity, we walk away. We pull away. And what happens to the body? It's not working properly. And what ends up happening is like, it's like me trying to walk over here and, and reach for a cup, but I don't have any hands. Or I see the cup, I see there's a cup on the front row over here, but I can't get there because I don't have any feet. And the body begins to operate improperly. The body can't grow in maturity because every part is needed within the body. And what, is, what does Paul say here? He says, when 
each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. In fact, I, I kind of circled those words, wins and makes, win and makes. That when these things are happening, when the body is working together and it's working properly, it, it's, it's growing up the body so that the body builds itself up in love. That there's a, there's a maturity that starts happening within the body of Christ. I immediately asked myself when I was thinking through all these things, I said, you know, I was like, well, what kind of mindset do we need as members? I mean, this is good to know, but is there a mindset that we should have as members of the body of Christ for these things to happen? It's easy for me to stand up here and say, yeah, well, you're hurt, you're supposed to forget it, right? Or you're hurt and you're supposed to give that over to God. There's so many more things involved in that, right? And it takes time and it takes, it takes time to grow. It takes time for you to understand why you're hurt and understanding what God is wanting to do in your life. In my darkest moments is the times when I grow the most because God opens up a door into a closet in my life that I didn't even know was there. And then I'm able to, to recognize it. At first it hurts and it's ugly and it's not good and all that kind of stuff. But then I'm able to recognize it and then I'm able to begin to pray about it and I begin to ask God, how do you, how do you change that in my life? And I'm able to begin to work through it. So I don't want to make it sound like these are just little simple things. But what is the mindset that we should have? Go over to Philippians chapter 1. Just a couple of pages to the right. In Philippians chapter 1, in verse 27, some of the guys heard me talk about this yesterday, but I'm not going to go into the detail I did yesterday. In verse, <clears throat> verse 27, he says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Hey, we just heard that in chapter 4, right? of Ephesians, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are, what? Standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together side by side for the faith of the gospel? You think unity, you think community was important to the Apostle Paul? You darn right. He understood the strength of the body of Christ coming together and working together for a common purpose, the faith of the gospel. He understood the power of that, that when we're operating as one body, do you understand the amazing power and the influence that a church, a body of believers, God's people can have on a community? Do you understand the amazing influence that a body of believers, God's people, can have on a community when they begin to operate with one mind? For the faith of the gospel? For the purpose of the gospel? It's, it's amazing. In fact, Paul goes on and he says, and not frightened, in verse 28, in, the, in anything by your opponents. Guess what, dear people of God? You're gonna have opponents. There's gonna be adversaries. They took Jesus and they put him on the cross. You think people are gonna like what we have to say sometimes? No. But there is a God who, who, who loves us and he demonstrated his love towards us and that while we were still in our sins, while we were alienated, while we were separated from God, Christ died for us. And that's a message the world needs to hear. That's a message that people need to know. And there's gonna be some people who are gonna adamantly disagree with us, where they're gonna to wanna to change the message, where they're gonna to wanna to do all kinds of things. We're gonna have opposition. Just get over it. We're going to. And he says, this is clear sign to them of their destruction. 
but of your salvation and that from God. What did he just say? We're gonna have opposition, but because we're operating as one, because there's striving together as one mind, one spirit for the purpose of the gospel, guess what? That means destruction for our opponents. For those that oppose the gospel, do you think when Jesus was carrying the cross to the Mount Calvary that there was any moment that he was defeated? He willingly did it. He willingly gave up himself. He willingly put himself in that position in order that we might know of God's love and of the grace of God and the mercy of God. That's why he did it. So why do we operate with one mind, one spirit? That they might know of the God that we serve. How will the world know that you belong to him? By how you love one another. You think, you think community isn't important? It's absolutely necessary. One mind, one spirit. Go tell people what you believe, but then don't show them how you believe. That You're not gonna get anywhere. You've gotta show people what you believe and why you believe it. Dear people of God, he has called us to a battle and it begins not as an, just an individual, but as the body. And each one of you are part of that body. And he goes on and he says, he says, for it has been granted, that word granted there literally means it can be grace or favor. I, I love this, that we would have the favor of God that he would show towards us to do what? To you, for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also, what? We don't like that term, but also suffer for his sake. That we also experienced opposition, we'd experience suffering. Engaged in the same conflict you saw and I had and now hear that I still have. Paul is saying, hey, look, our strength is our unity. Our strength in ministry is our oneness of mind. Our strength as a body of believers is, our, is the spirit of God that dwells in us. It's one spirit. The strength of the Godhead is that every part does his part. The strength of the body of Christ is that every part does his part. And so he goes on in chapter two and he really begins to talk about the mindset within the body of Christ, that unity is possible because of these realities he talks about, especially in verse one, there's four of them. And he says, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy. And I wanna stop here. In the Greek, this is a class condition of the sentence. It's, a, it's kind of the fullness of its condition, if you will. So the idea is, if there's any encouragement in Christ, and there is, the implication is there's absolutely true that there is. Okay, and this is important. So when he says, if there is any encouragement in Christ or exhortation, in fact, if you were to go over to John, I think it's 14, 16, it's referring to the Holy Spirit, uses the same kind of word, and it's talking about calling him the comforter. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, and there is, in other words, the life of Christ should encourage us in unity, he says, then if any comfort of love, from love, and there is the love of Christ that's in us because of what Christ has done on the, on the cross, because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, if there's any love. Now, let me say this. If you're not experiencing God's love, if you don't understand the comfort of God, 
If you don't understand the participation in a minute, he's talking about that common interest, that mutual or active participation of the spirit, the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. If, there's, if you're not experiencing, and he talks about affection there, it's tender heartedness. You're not experiencing the tender heartedness or you're not experiencing the mercy. There it's literally just the, the mercy or the compassion of God. If you're not experiencing those things, it's not the church's fault. Because he's not talking about the church here. He's talking about our God. You see, there, there is encouragement in Christ that he encourages us. There is love in Christ and his love towards us. And there is a participation in the spirit, Holy Spirit, and the bonding of us together. There is the spirit there is participation. There is a tenderheartedness of God. There is a, the compassion of God that he experienced us. But a lot of times, this is where our lack of faith or our lack of, of understanding God's word, that we begin to, to disbelieve those things. And here's where we need each other to come alongside that those will understand. I, I walked my life too long not understanding grace. And, and, I did, and I would hear people talk about the peace of God and talk about the comfort of God. In the, midst of, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of tragedy, and the joy of the Lord being their strength. And I'm sitting there thinking, my goodness, I, I, I just, I don't know if I really got that. I remember pastoring a church and realizing that. One of the reasons why I got out of that pastorate, because I realized, well, if I can't, if I don't understand, how can I lead to other people, right, to understand these things of God? And so I had to do some really, real genuine soul searching. It wasn't the church's fault. It wasn't somebody. It was my relationship with God. And I began to pray and ask God to teach me these things. And I began to read the passages. I connected with some key people. And I began to, to study the amazing things of God. I genuinely mean this, guys, that in the middle of chaos, it was a rough week and there were some things that were happening this week uh, to, 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 in my family that was very difficult to... to to, to, to go through. And it was physical things, nothing anything anybody was doing, but it was just physical things. And in the middle of it, there's still comfort. In the middle of it, there's still peace. And I can still say the joy of the Lord is my strength. You see, I know that there is encouragement in Christ. I know that there is, that there is his comfort of his love. I know that the spirit of God and the active communic uh, common interest that I have with him, I know of God's tenderness. I know of God's com compassion towards me. And we as a people need to be growing up in these things. In fact, Paul goes on, he says that one of the expressions of this, you see in verse two, complete my joy by being of the, there it is again, same mind having the same love, being in full accord or one accord and of one mind. We're literally, the ideas for this is the faith of the gospel. He wants us to understand the, the strength of unity and the growth of our body, the body of Christ. In fact, he goes on, he says, in verse three, do nothing from rivalry or, or conceit. In other words, that idea of rivalry is literally the idea of selfish ambition or self-seeking. And the other, the other term there of conceit is the idea of vainglory or empty pride. These things destroy unity. When I only care about what I want in the church, dear people of God, I've walked away from keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. I've walked away from, from thinking about who's the head of the body. 
Do you remember Elijah, that great prophet? I want, I, I want to get to heaven. I hope God has a place where I can watch it on a screen or something. You know, he's calling out fire and God laps up the, the, the altar and, and, and then they kill all the prophets and Jezebel, that, that lady no one names their daughters after, that queen Jezebel, that evil lady. And she tells him that night if, if, if he isn't dead and if he isn't like one of those prophets, you know, and so on. So what happens to Elijah? He takes off running. He takes off a run. Fear gripped his heart, and he's out there. Finally, God comes to him, and he speaks to him in a small voice. You know what God says to him? Elijah, what are you doing here? And you know what Elijah said? Well, Lord, I'm the only one. I'm, I'm, I'm the only one. that They've killed all your problems, and I'm the only one left. And God says, I had 7,000. And he speaks to him again. He says, Elijah, what are you doing here? Elijah again, Lord, they've killed your prophets. I'm the only one. You see, when we start thinking that we're the only one, we hurt the body of Christ. I'm the only one that gets it at the church. The church needs this. I'm the only one that's getting it. Well, you know what? I'm the only one doing real ministry. Everybody should be doing what I'm doing. Man, I hear it. And that's immaturity in the body of Christ. I'm not trying to be rude, folks. I'm just being real about how the body of Christ comes together. We cannot. I take joy when I see somebody doing something I can't do where I'm not good at. And that's how the body is to work. And there's not to be this, this conceit, this vainglory, this selfishness, because if there is, then the body is hurt. In fact, he contrasts it and he says, but in contrast, in humility, that, that idea of where every... Every aspect of our life, it's about what God is doing, not what I'm doing. It's that Christ, recognizing Christ is the head of the church. You see, everlasting past, God is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Everlasting past, everlasting future. You look into the future as far as you can see, and guess what? He is the King of kings. If you look at right now and present, he's King of kings. There's never a moment that God isn't sovereign. There's never a moment that God isn't the King of kings and the Lord's of, Lord of lords. And it's humility that understands that, that we bring ourselves in, in, in humility and we recognize his work in our lives and in the church. It's a broken and a contrite heart that God seeks. That's what he wants. You can't approach God in pride. You can't have a life of pride and walk in the spirit at the same time. You can't demand your own way and, ask, and also walk in the spirit at the same time. You just can't, I'm sorry. That's not how God designed the body of Christ. And he goes on and he says, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. It's not an idea of that I'm not supposed to ever think of myself or contemplate or to consider myself and I'm supposed to always give of myself. No, but it's about an idea of taking a spiritual interest in the well-being of others and, and, and taking an interest in their spirit, spiritual well-being. I remember I was at Burger King. I told this first hour, it just came to me when I was talking. I remember at Burger King, I had this one employee, I was writing her up because she wasn't doing her job. And I'll never forget, she looked at me, she says, I thought you were a Christian. Like, I guess she thought I was supposed to just let her run over me. That isn't what this verse is talking about. I remember I just looked at her and said, what does me being a Christian have anything to do with you not doing your job? It doesn't have anything to do with you not doing your job. You got a job to do. You need to do it. But you know what? I wanted her to be a better employee. 
So I did the tough thing. And so within the body of Christ, we need to take a spiritual interest in the well-being of others and those around us. It doesn't mean we let people run over us, but it does mean that we take an interest in them. In fact, he continues that on. And he said, verse four, let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also the interests of others. And that word look there has the idea to fix your attention upon with interest. It's the idea that you are taking that spiritual interest into the spiritual well-being of those around you. That that's what we need to be about. That that's to be the part of the body and how it's to grow. In fact, if Paul thought you didn't get it, he goes into the following verses and I'm just gonna read them as I close. He gives us the ultimate example. Verse five, just listen as I read. Have this mind. You've been hearing one mind, right? One spirit. How many times did Paul say, have this mind, oneness of mind? He says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. In other words, if you're a child of God here this morning, you, you, you have this mind. You have the capacity to think this way. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Even though he, he was God, he didn't hang on to that, but what? Made himself nothing. Taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in, him, being found in human form, he, what? Humbled himself. You see, you can't approach God with pride. You can't walk after God in pride. You have to humble yourself. Humility. Christ humbled himself. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You see, when he went to the cross, he humbled himself. We have the perfect example of humility in the message of the gospel. And we too, as a body of believers, need to be working together properly that the body of Christ might be growing up in maturity. And sometimes, sometimes, it costs us, and sometimes it's difficult. But I believe in a God that is able to heal. I believe in a God that heals those hurts and, and fixes those broken things and restores his people. Let's pray. Father God, this morning, I just, I just lift up to you, Father. I just ask that your spirit move among your people. That, Father, this morning, you would, you would speak to us Father, there, there's some of us here that, Lord, we, we might have been hurt in, in this church. <laughs> and I pray, God, that, that we learn to, to grow in that. That, Father, you would work through those hurts and those, those biting words sometimes that are said, those things that are done carelessly without thought and, and others get hurt or offended. But, Father, we are the body of Christ. We are your people. And you've put your spirit in us, Father. If we have trusted in Christ, your spirit dwells within us. Is there anything we're not capable of doing by your strength? Is it impossible, Father, to forgive? Is it impossible, Father, to restore? Absolutely not. 
That, Father, you're able to do above and beyond what we could ever imagine or think. That, Father, your love is immeasurable and it's beyond our understanding. And that, Father, you're able to do that. Give us, Father, eyes that see beyond ourselves to see what you're capable of doing in and through us. That in our weaknesses, Father, you're made strong. That, Father, in our shortcomings, you are glorified because then we know it's you at work and not our own abilities. And we can praise your name and we can glorify you and we can lift you up because God, you are worthy of our praise and our adoration. So God, we're your people, each and every one of us. Each of us is members of the body of Christ. Do with us as you please. In Jesus' name, amen.